Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Flicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I got beer on my leg. That happens. It's yeah. better than other things you could have gotten on your leg, especially sitting this close to me. Skeet, skeet. <laughs> Andrew, be, I'm doing well. I'd be skeeting through the entire episode. I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I've got to say. I'm doing really he's well. He's not busy. He's not tired. Work hasn't been crazy. He's just well. No, none of those things are true. Uh, no, I did start working out in earnest this week. And so I'm feeling my, I've got like Tuesday. Yes, that's correct. (laughs) My my body is feeling a little bit of like, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it has been, it's been like since I hurt my knee, since I've really been working out. So just swimming or have you like, are you like doing some light weights kind of light weights, swimming and light weights? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but that's it's like a good like I can feel my body is like oh but it like feels nice yeah it's not a bad yeah the, your muscles are like oh I liked that it hurts so good like spank me a little harder next time that's right yeah that's right Andrew how are you I am good I I had one of those days where I've had like a just a ringer of a couple of weeks so today I I like just didn't want to have an idle mind and just kind of like dwell on things so in an effort to mitigate that I just got productive. I knocked off shit from my to-do list that's like months in the making, and it felt great. I got so much stuff done today. On the end of it, I didn't feel good because I was just like, man, still sucks. But look at all this great stuff that I accomplished today. Felt good about it. Unfortunately, by way of accomplishing some tasks, it like very much like what's the, the, uh, the, the dragon you cut a head off, the Hydra. Hydra. Yeah, very Hydra-esque tasks today where the completion of one yielded, oh, fuck, many right. others to be uh, completed. But got a lot done today. I'm feeling really good about it. The good news is the shower is super clean. The bad news is we need all new grout. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did <laughs> remove all of that. The mold was too deep. Uh I, I also, I, I made, I was smoking a chicken cause like <clears throat> it was a really good way. You, you were out of weed. Yeah. You know, it was weird, but I liked it. Uh, so I spatchcocked a chicken, threw it on the smoker and was like, man, I got shit to do. I'm already smoking one. So I like dug through my freezer for all the gallon bags of chicken carcasses that have just made their way into various corners of the freezer and, Spent several hours simmering into a stock. And How many corners does your freezer have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight corners between the top and bottom. How many corners <laughs> does yours have? I, mine, mine has four. Uh, it, your house just smelled delightful. It does. It smells like chicken noodle soup. Yeah. I think I a little bit over-seasoned it it because the problem is now i can't really use it for just kind of like uh like a diluter it's got it brings a lot of flavor to the the game yeah you could cut it a little bit i i so i condensed it more than i usually do so i took a what was a five gallon pot with 
all of the vegetables and carcasses and pulled it down to just over two gallons of liquid. So it's super concentrated, which is what I intended to do. And then I've got it split out into freezer bags so I can cut it. Um, that was my my intention for this go around. You just go straight mirepoix or do you do like a fancy, fancy soup? I just did a mirepoix, like a, just yeah. a simple, I did That's like a I bunch did. of like just, just skin on smashed garlic and two. Cause the other thing is like all, all the chicken carcasses are just like varying degrees of chickens that I've made. Like some have been smoked. Some are like have a dry rub on them. Yeah. It's that you got, there's some smoke so in, there's, the, in the air. Well, cause my smoker was running all day yeah. too. So like I'm in and out and I'm smoky from having been in and out with like over the smoker. I did some smoked mac and cheese too. Ooh. Yeah. What do you do? You smoke the cheese or you smoke the... So you al dente the noodles, make your roux and your cheese sauce, mix it all together so it's you have undercooked pasta. And you smoke that. And yeah, then top like it. casserole. And then I topped it with some panko and then the shelf-stable like pizza parmesan. Uh-huh. And just threw it in the smoker to let it brown up and crisp up. Okay. So it just rode with the chicken for a couple hours. Rad. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, your house smells good. I'm a little jelly. It does smell good. Well, Andrew, in any event, we're not talking about mirepoix or smoked chicken. We could though. We could we could do entire episodes on certainly we could. On the things we make. You, you know, I was talking to someone today about communing <laughs> over food. And uh it, how your life is actually enriched by more deliberately communing over food, mm-hmm. not with not focusing on the communing, but focusing on the food, the communing is a, is improved. And I thought that is such a interesting idea. And I don't know if it's accurate or not, and it doesn't really matter. But the theory was by concentrating on food with other people, you make better friends and you have better relationships. And I thought it's worth a try. <laughs> I always had this idea for a restaurant because I, I hate cell phones. Like, I just hate them. And I hate email. I always had this idea for a restaurant that you'd open it up. And if the if the party was willing to lock their phones in a safe in the middle of the table for the duration of their meal, they would get some kind of, like, discount or bonus or comped something or other. It's, you know... I, I like it in theory, uh, but I think it, it would just feel heavy-handed. I don't know that you could do that without being heavy-handed. No, you couldn't. But that's why, like, yeah. you lock it and your server has the key. And it's not heavy-handed. It's just, like, you accepted your fate. It's like going into an escape room. Like, yeah. motherfucker, you're in there. I went to a party like that once, but it wasn't our phone. We all put our keys, keys in a bowl. In. Yeah, it had a, it had it was, a different outcome than I expected. It was but, weird. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about watches, Andrew. Especially when I pulled your keys. Like, that was <laughs> like that was surprising to all of us. I set that up. Uh, we are talking about watches today, Andrew. And, well, this is your episode. It's my episode, and as I loved per it. usual. So tell me about what we're doing today. Okay. So one of the, a comment that we got, it's probably been a year was that folks wanted us to folk a, a person recommended that we kind of revisit some of our early style episodes. And that like, that always kind of resonates when I'm thinking about 
episode ideas. What are we doing this week? Shut the fuck up, Everett. I'm telling the story. Thank you. So when I think about... That felt like active listening, but... (sighs) You know nothing about active listening. (laughs) You know about active talking. Our early episodes, we did a lot of kind of listical things, like things that we liked. And it was partly because that was what we knew. We were like simultaneously exploring this for ourselves and sharing our kind of journey with folks. And we've taken some turns along the way. But something that I thought of was what about doing, because we used to do collections for a certain amount of money. So my idea was a five watch, $5,000 collection with one big, huge wrinkle. Everett, when we do these lists, always cheats. He's like, yeah, well, you can get this one used usually for like four fifty. Yeah, it's a $900 watch, but I've got this. It's, it's usually four fifty. So the, the asterisk said Everett had to go all used watches that you could click buy it now today. So every watch that he picked had to be available today. Not you can usually find it in this range. It's no, I found this watch on whatever website. You don't have to cite your sources. I'm not, you know, I'm not crazy. I'm going to trust you here. But I believe that every watch that he has picked, he found a, a, a reputable website from which or a source, you know, whether it be Reddit or eBay or banking, could buy it today. Sources have been cited. They will be links to these watches in the show and notes. And I am going all brand new because that's how I like to buy things. I like to buy it brand new. I don't want anybody else's fingerprints or tongue marks on my watch before I buy it. Thanks, Frank, for now making me concerned about how many people have licked my watch before I buy it. So... That's that's the the premise of our episode. Five watch collection, $5,000. I'm going all brand new. Everett is going all used. All of them you can buy today. But each collection had to be a collection, right? It's not just five watches. Hmm. There had to, it had to be curated because I think I can say at least for me, my first 7 to 10 watches were not curated. They were very much like butterfly catcher, like Pokemon hunter. Just, I like this. I want it now. I would argue that all of your watches Mm -hmm. are in that realm. But I think now both of us are much more deliberate in the purchases that we make. So when we're looking at a $5,000 collection for five watches, you know, we're thinking, you know, a thousand ish dollars a watch. That's going to be up and down on the scale, but we're, this is a deliberate collection. There's a thing, a theme, an idea, a reason behind it. Because if you were to go, if, if all your watches are lost in a fire and you get your insurance money for them, I would venture to guess that you're not going to buy many of the watches that you've lost. Some, a good handful maybe. You know, it's interesting. We'll, we'll, I'll get more to this when, when I when I unveil my methodology. But I actually had to kind of pause at one point and 
change some of the watches that I'd come up with because there were watches I owned. And I, and I didn't feel beholden to that. But at some point I was like, this is boring because I own I own 60 percent of these hmm. and I'm likely to pick up the others. It, it, it's interesting that you say, you know, my watch, my collection is so scattered I have, I think, done a pretty good job of finding the watches and procuring the watches that fit the holes in my collection. And After so, your first 10. <clears throat> yeah, no. You, you, Maybe even 12, you, right? You're right about that. Yeah. You're right about that. So, you, you know, my experience has certainly, uh, my experience owning watches has certainly guided how I look at watches today. I don't know that that's ever been quite as evident as it was as I was making this list. And I was actually pretty like almost tickled that like, you know what? I've done a really good job. I've got these watches and, and I actually have five watches today that I don't own, but my, my list, I had to work a little bit to get there. My list that I went with are watches, no watches that I own. Yep. Same. I came up with five lists. I was working on a sixth and then it got derailed, but five really deliberate, lists and obviously like it was it was picking like like plug and play throughout all the lists and then i finally got one where i was like this is a list this is a collection all right let's try again well so who who's leading us off today andrew uh let's let's hold your used watches for the end i'm gonna start okay yeah so 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 <clears throat> i, w- I want to hear about your methodology because you told me this that you had come up with like five totally distinct and discrete lists Totally how distinct you, list. So what how did you I go about this? How'd you start? What I started with was kind of a cornerstone watch. And in most cases, it actually wasn't even the most expensive watch on the list, which kind of surprised me. Yeah. So I went with, let's, let's build this collection out from, I'm going to make my first grown up watch purchase. This is what I like. Okay, that's the pick. Now let's build around it. So I'm I'm gonna one one watch was one list was just kind of a ridiculous list. It was like the baller list. I tried to see what I could make around a BRO5. Okay. And it's actually not a bad list. Okay. Because I sent you that one. Yeah, yeah, it's, you did. It's not a bad list you look at it and you're like that's only five thousand dollars yeah that's really manageable so what i wanted to do was create a cornerstone with this is the style of watch that i like and maybe this is a you know really thoughtful researcher or maybe this is somebody who's been in the game for a little bit and has kind of refined the things that they like and do a total liquidation okay and and start over The watch that starts my list, and this is, this is just, this is a me list, right? All, all the all the lists that I made were were lists of collections that I would want to have, because otherwise I wouldn't have picked the watch. I start out with the Monte Triumph, seventeen hundred bucks. That's my, that to me is probably one of the best value watches on the market. It's clean, it's dressable, it's super sporty, it's super well-made, the finishing's fantastic, and you're getting the the Swiss bit to it. It's a full-on grown-up watch. Which 
which is kind of... We've talked about Swiss and whether or not it matters kind of at, at length. It matters and it doesn't. But it's just kind of a flex. It's nice to have. So that's where I started. I started with a Monte Triumph. I love it. What color? In black. Okay. Because that's your straight utilitarian. I can wear this watch anywhere. The only thing I'm not going to do in it is swing a hammer. And even then you probably could. I do. Next up. Black Monte Triumph. Next up. I wanted to get something a little bit fun. Kind of like just not silly, but a little fun. We go with the brew metric. So is that the, so just backing up for a second. Okay. So you're starting with the Monte Triumph. Yes. You've, I think it's a great place to start, right? Because it's sort of like the steel sports watch is going to be. It's, it's kind of a cornerstone to any collection. That's right. You're going to get more use out of this than probably anything else on your list moving forward. We know that. Uh, Just m- more day-to-day, you can do anything in this watch. And you're probably going to wear it a lot. So You're definitely going to wear it a lot. W- walk me through. So we know what your next pick is, but walk, walk me through. Where's your head at as you, as you move forward? So my head's at now I have a steel sport watch. There's... <laughs> <laughs> There's some holes in the collection, right? And for me to have a well-rounded collection, you want some 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 things, right? You want, for me, I want to have a, a sport watch. I'd like to have a dive watch. I want to have a chronograph. I want to have a GMT. And I want to have a watch that I, I don't think I could destroy without going out of my way to do it. Like I watched a video, Fratello did a, stress test of a yellow G-Shock recently. And they ran it over with a go-kart after throwing it off a bunch of stairs. It's like, well, that's, I'm not going to behave that way with my watch. (laughs) I'm not going to, like, I'm going to bang it into things on accident because I, because I do that because I live, I'm a normal human person. I crash into things. I tip over. My kids are crazy. Like both of my kids have bit my watch. Like, I don't know why. They just like grab me by the hand and bit it. Like, what do you, what the, what the fuck is that? All right, kids. Yeah. You get sticky little barbecue sauce fingers on it. But that's what I want. I want a well-rounded toolbox of watches, watches, a watch that I can wear all the time. And that's going to be the triumph. The triumph is going to be probably your like 70% of your life watch. Certainly you can wear it for 70% of your life. Yeah. There, you're you're going to be hard pressed to find situations you can't wear it in. So I wanted to bring in a chronograph, in the way of the brew metric, because the brew is well finished. It's super attractive. It's fun. It it blends well with this really classic. I mean, boring triumph. Yeah, it brings some some spice, some color, a little bit of flavor. It's maybe the seasoning. It's the paprika to the dish. <laughs> That's right. So we've got a brew metric. <clears throat> and now we've rounded out two of the most important things, right? You've got a chronograph and you've got a steel sport watch, which you, you could probably get by with just these two watches. So the, the Triumph has what? 150 meters of water resistance, 200 meters. Uh, 
Yeah, 150. Yeah. It's more water resistant than I. So we're good there. Now we've got a chronograph, which I think the metrics at 50 meters of water resistance, it's either 50 or 100. It's not that great. Yeah. But it's a, yeah, it's yeah. a good. It's fine. It's, it's totally fine for, for the application because now you have a fun chronograph. You've got a colorful watch. You've got kind of like a party watch. You've got your, you know, we all know it. And I went with the retro dial because I love that dial. Same. So Next. what are you, so what so what are you at now? You're at 17 plus 5 17 plus 450. So plus that's 450. Okay. So 2150. Yep. Thank you. I appreciate that you're mathier than I. Uh so now I'm going to go with the uh with with what I went with my my Indestructor. I chose the Casio Pro Trek. I'm sending you the link right now so you can see it. Not you guys, you're listening. Uh, I'm sending it to Everett. I'll be able to see it. I went with the Casio Pro Trek PRW6600 series, specifically the 11Y-1. Yeah, these are nice. And I went with this because it still kind of fits the sport watch mold. It's an Anadigi with a primary analog dial it's got sort of a steel bezel on it it's obviously a big motherfucker uh it's like 50 some no it's not that big it's, i think it so. is 51 six uh, Jesus. <laughs> it's it's huge yeah but if you're wearing a watch like this there's a purpose behind it right this isn't a 5600 this isn't an f91 this isn't any of the g-shock series this is your tool utility abc pro trek banger where it's indestructible this is i'm going to take it to the woods for a week and it's going to not only be my watch but it's also going to be a tool for me for the things that i'm doing i like analogs in this because if it if it fails you still have some yeah some functionality there um so this is my Indestructor pick. I love Pro Tracks. I it's kind of it's a little bit surprising to me that I haven't bought one yet, especially given because it's on Casio's website at four twenty. It's available other places for like two hundred bucks. Yeah, uh, which is you, you know Andrew, we've talked about Pro Track on this show. I don't know a dozen times. If, yeah, uh, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody else in watches talk about pro track i don't think i've ever heard another podcast reference pro track um you're not seeing them written about on the websites i do think mike did a write-up on the pro track pendleton oh yeah mike mike razak did yeah, yeah that's right for fratello in any event <laughs> sorry mike i know you write about dinky <laughs> we love Pro Trek. And yes, there's nothing not to love. Yeah. That branding. That's great branding. It it is it carries the heritage of the brand while still incorporating all of the modern features. They're too big. But f- for how much their technology they're packing into this. I mean at the point now where the the uh the Apple watches 
actually extend over most people's wrists and they're going to have to start incorporating a curve <laughs> into them. Yeah. Like the, I just, I <laughs> can I just quickly, I'm looking at the website here and they've got these pictograms and they're, they're narrated. So it's got, uh, <laughs> it says, yeah. you know, a picture of a guy in front of a clock keeps yourself in time. Yeah. Time your shit. Stable solar power. Let's oh yeah, that's the other. It was. It's also a solar watch, and you. I think that's a cool technology to be able to incorporate into a collection. Lets you know your direction. <laughs> but that guy's climbing up. Yeah, yeah, and, and also indicating north. And I, I, I suppose you could be walking north while also ascending. It's just unusual for that to be occurring simultaneously. <laughs> uh, but it's an ABC, so you've got altitude, temperature, barometric pressure. Um, is this the same watch as the Pendleton? Ooh, it might be. I think it might be. I didn't look into that. I like this because it's coming on rubber. And as much as I like the Pendleton strap, I think coming on a on a uh, non-biodegradable of fabric strap. Yeah, is is good. But this also has a exterior lugs with screws. So you could put it on something else. Um but it's also like this is not an offensive watch, Mm-mm. even for its size. This this isn't a watch that you couldn't wear a lot of places. Like anywhere you could wear your G Shock, you could wear this watch. Yeah. So I'm curious. Um, what I'm trying to do is curate a really, really versatile collection where almost anything that you have in this collection can be worn in most circumstances. So we've got a Monta Triumph, which could fit inside of your Casio Pro Track. I think two of them could fit in there. For being fair. And we've got a Brewmetric retro dial. Mm-hmm. All right. And now we've got this. Oh, no, you, you mentioned all three. <clears throat> uh, last up. No, not last up. Fourth up. We have the Seiko SSK001, which is the GMT SKX 5KX sports great pick baller watch again all of the same things that you're getting from every other watch you're getting great water resistance you're getting a really attractive versatile watch you're getting the gmt functionality and as as useless as the gmt functionality is for most of us it's still a really nice complication to have in the scope of i have a collection it rounds it out you know, we've got a three-hander, we've got a digital, though it's an anadigi, we still have a digital, we have a chronograph, and now we have a GMT. You got them all at this point. <coughs> and I love the 5KX GMT. It's, these are terrific. This is such a cool introduction to the market. I, I'm, I have some other things planned. Otherwise, I, I would pick one of these up. Yeah. I mean... They're so affordable. Four seventy-five. You might as well just get it. Yeah, I've been, some other things planned. I like the SSK zero zero one. I like the colorway on this. This is the all black. Yeah, so it's got like the two tone black and yeah, gray dial. But other than that, kind of ghosty. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the navy one too, but th- this was. I think this is my favorite. Yeah, this is the one for me. And what what you'll notice here is right now the metric is the only thing with color. And if we're being fair, the metric retro colorway 
doesn't really have that much color. It's it's got a lot of accent, but it's it's got some accent colors. So uh, my last watch up is your dive watch. Not your dive watch. It's the dive watch for the collection. In the way of the Doxa Sub 300T in professional, which is the classic orange. And this rounds it out for me. This brings your professional spec dive watch with way more engineering, way more technology and water resistance that you could ever need. This is your overbuilt, still like classically styled, bringing urology chops dive watch to the collection. I'm feeling it. This is it. This is a five watch collection that could rule them all. Yeah. I think that's right. I mean, of my five lists that I made that I kind of, I I labored over probably more than a person should have trying to plug and play, make dollar amounts work. Uh, This, this was it. This was my five watch collection. You've got all the things that I think are important to a well-rounded curated collection of somebody who wants to wear most of their watches anywhere they can go any one of these watches you can pick it up you can put it on in 90 percent of the scenarios that you are going to encounter in life i'm curious so for this collection the the triumph was your anchor Mm -hmm. how much does a 300t cost new 1890 more than the anchor that's crazy. So we're at forty nine thirty five total cost for this five watch collection. It's not on a bracelet. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, eighteen ninety. I feel like you can't even get those things used for that much. No, you can't. You buy them used for more than you can buy them new right from the Doxit website. That's phenomenal. Yeah, I the, do. The Dox is the kind of the outlier here, right? This is. It's a big colorway. It's the only vintage designed watch. But that's kind of why, it, well, it, it you know, the brew is kind of there. That was maybe the bridge between the Triumph and the brew for me. But it's all, in my mind, is cohesive and works together as as a watch box. Totally. I, I love this. I love this collection. You've got, you've got a little of everything, like, I don't know that I'd get the pro track, uh, but that's here nor there. Everything else on this list, I'm like, yeah. Like if if I had to just get your collection, I'd make it work. Yeah. I mean, I'm really pleased with it. I this was the, option. This was my second build list, and when I finished it and I looked at the numbers, I was like, Do I need to keep going? You're right. <laughs> How much was your total spent? Forty nine thirty five. So you're right up against the right up against it. Mm-hmm. I I uh the Pro Trek was the last pick for me on this list because I wanted to find uh I wanted to find a watch of that ilk that fit the bill. And I, 
I I was looking through all manner of G-Shocks. I was looking through basically that whole digital resin cased world. And then finally came upon that ProTrack and I was like, duh. That fits perfectly with this. You know, I, I'm trying to think of a criticism for you because it wouldn't be acceptable to let you completely off the hook. I've got one for you. Yeah. You do not have a cheap kick around watch. I think that's what the Pro Trek's for. It's yeah, not cheap. It's I, not a good kick around, I, right? It's not it's replaceable. It's big I to be a cheap kick around. It's like... Uh, I don't... I think maybe the, the SSK 001 might be in that. And you don't have Spot. anything very dressy. The Triumph on leathers. It'll work. Pretty, It'll work. Pretty appropriate. Th- those are your two limitations. Mm-hmm. You don't have something low-key kick around. Motherfuckers wear G-Shocks no, on know. their suits. You can, right? you can like, do whatever you want. I'm just saying. No, it's not whatever they want. It's it's that the, the art of... Uh, I'm I'm really trying to like rip out criticisms here because I really love this collection. This is a good collection. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you one more. I'm you've gonna... actually for going completely new. I think you've got an incredible amount of value here too. I mean, right? The Triumph at seventeen hundred new is a lot of money, uh, but the Doxa at eighteen ninety almost feels like a fucking steal. That's what it is on the website. I went to company websites for yeah, these yeah, prices, I was just which means that. You could actually probably get all of these for a little you're gonna bit less get the, money. You're going to be able to get the Pro Trek for less. You're going to be able to get the SSK for less new. Everything else you're going to be able to get like like new. Well, you get the Triumph like new for probably fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah. The metric like new for four hundred bucks. Doxa holds its price. If you go to Chrono Twenty Four, you're looking I think at, you're going to pay more. You're looking at brand new in box Doxa Three Hundred Ts for like two two thousand to twenty one hundred bucks. So silly. I don't get. It, it doesn't make any sense. And, and that's before shipping or customs. And they're available. Like it's not even like they're hard to get. No, I don't. I don't fully understand what's happening there. <laughs> and I I ran into that when I was looking to purchase my Santos. I was looking at. If I buy this direct from Cartier, I'm actually going to pay less than if I buy it from any of these reputable dealers, like online dealers. And I'm I'm wondering if a lot of them are actually dealers selling through the website who have a markup to kind of cover the the loss of the of the exchange, right? Yeah. You, you know, certainly the ProTrek's the outlier for your collection, and I think you could swap a dozen different watches into that spot. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but short of that, I, I don't think that would be my choice in that spot, but that's kind of a, a whatever. Short of that, everything on here, I, I really do think you've maxed it. For going new, yeah, that's a great... I love your list, Andrew. I, I appreciate that. I worked really hard on it. Okay, I I had I had some good lists. This was a hard choice choice for me. Well, yeah, you sent me two lists that you didn't go with, and they're both also fantastic. Uh, I like this list better than either of the ones you sold me. I didn't know where you were going to go based on the information you had already shared with me. Uh, I think you did better here than either of these others you sent me. Although, That's why those lists got scrapped, and those lists were good lists. Yeah, good. I could I could roll with these, like a Zen five five six, a King Seiko SPB. Traska commuter, PX35, and a C63 GMT. 
That's a fucking good list. Yeah, I'm with you. The BRO5 list wasn't as good. <laughs> well, because you got a BRO5 and then a bunch of kind of junk. Oh, Bambino, a Sector Dive, a Venturer, and then a, a gold, a all golded out Casio. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a rich man, poor man list. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go into mine. I obviously had send a, me some links. I, I I will send you I will send you all the links, but I'm gonna wait until I unveil the watches. Okay. Uh, so I I went about this a little different. Rather than picking some watches to be corner pieces of a handful of lists, I started with a set of rules for myself. And I and I kind of like I was like, what's important to me? So if I'm only gonna have five watches, what's important to me? So I came up. With this list of seven things. One, I need a serious dive watch. Serious is in quotes. Is that I, like black dial? I don't know what that means. Or is it like helium release valve? It's got to be serious. I need a quartz kick around watch. Okay. I need a chronograph that's hopefully automatic. I need something for travel, which means GMT dual time in my mind. So we took the same approach. I need a true dress watch. Okay. I need a big... What's go- your current dress watch? What's my current dress watch? Yeah, that you own. Um, I've got a couple of different things that I wear for dress. I've got the 1963 on a really nice leather. Uh, K. It's pretty dressy, dude. It is, just because of the high polish. High polish. The size is good. Um... I've got a old Seiko that I wear in that slot sometimes. I yield. Continue. Okay, fair enough. Um, I've got, oh, so I need a, a true dress watch. I need a big go fuck yourself watch. I don't have a true dress watch to to, okay. to answer your question directly. I need a big go fuck yourself watch. and So that's six. And then seven, this is the most important one, even though it's at the bottom of the list. Everything has to be rad. Those were my rules. All right. So. Doesn't matter if you're good as long as you look good. Everything has to be rad. So I'm going to, I'm not going to start with the watch that I led with. Okay. So I picked a watch kind of early on and there was actually two watches that were in this spot. Okay. So you like, we, you found watches to fit the requirement. Yeah. So I've got three watches at the bottom of my list that are struck through that I decided, Oh, you know what? I got to move on from that one. And those were hard. Those are hard to strike. They were hard to strike. That's right. So first I'm going to, I'm going to go from, I'm going to go in ascending order of price. Okay. So first, believe it or not, I'm going to start with my dress watch. Okay. At $345. I'm going to go with a vintage 1967 gold capped Smith's Astral. Ooh. So a Smith's Astral, it's a predecessor or or a successor to the Smith's uh, Everest watches. These are mostly in the 60s. They have phenomenal movements made in Great Britain. These are really, really great watches. So let me. And they're just gorgeous. Uh, gorgeous. I went with a specific Smith's Astro. So 
One of the things you have to watch out for these is date complications. They're problematic. Don't get that. I went with 12 numerals, gold capped, because I love, so if you don't know the difference between gold capped and gold plated, gold plated is like an electro vapor process where a thin layer of gold, gold capped is actually a hunk of gold that's molded around a steel case. Go back to our gold watches episode with Evan. With Evan, that's and, right. And you'll learn all about it. So these things generally had kind of cheap dials, and the dial on this one is patinaed. A but, lot, yeah, but that's like a really, really lovely patina. It is gorgeous. This whole watch is gorgeous. Though It comes on a crappy strap. but Just the, the worst. Who cares? <laughs> this thing is totally gorgeous. They're 35 or maybe 34.5 millimeters. This says 35, but I actually don't think they made this in a 35. So I think this is a 34 and a half millimeter. It's probably 35 to the crown. Perhaps. Yeah. Because they right. have negotiable under their price, which suggests they maybe don't know exactly what they have. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so this is on Chrono 24 <laughs> for 345 bucks. Buy it today. These are stunning watches and they're available all day long at this. This is not like a crazy buy. These you can get these things for this price. The gold on that is in such great shape. And it's gorgeous. And it's it, gorgeous. This has been in a drawer. So I've got my dress watch, which seems like it was going to be the hardest one to get. You know, though, there's so much available from the 60s and 70s that were this style. This is what people wore as watches. Like, we consider them to be dress watches now. They were really small. They were gold-plated. They were gold-capped. Day, daily bangers of the 50s, 60s, and 70s are our current dress watches yeah so yeah. they're available in conditions like this where this probably set just based on the patina of the dial this has been sitting on a dude's dresser for the last 50 years and worn like a handful of times if the gold is in such good shape yeah. and, and you can find these in really so if you are going to get one of these watch out for date windows you don't want that you want smith's astral there's a couple of the other Watches that came around right around the same time. Smith's Astral is always going to be a great value. Okay, so second. 395 bucks. I'm going to fill my quartz kick around. I played with the idea of a 40th anniversary G-Shock here. Oh, okay. For 300 bucks. I ultimately went away from that. That felt like a bit of a cheat to me. A little bit because it's so new. And, well, and it's just, you know, in a five watch collection, I don't really want that one. Anyway, I want the $85 GWM5610. So I, I quickly got that one out of the list. Instead, for $395, i am going to go with a, my custom DW5600. And I'm going to sell it to you right now. A used CWC issue G10. Ooh. Quartz. I will share this with you now-ish, Andrew. Quartz issue. Is this small. is it issue or issued? Like, is this a is this a dude selling his G10? I believe this is issued. NSN number, broad arrow. Cabot is the current supplier for the G10 watches for the British military, and this is one of those watches. This is cool. 
Uh, I am the owner of a Pulsar G10, which is the prior supplier, or maybe I've got this backwards. It's among the suppliers. Yes. Yeah. So I'm an owner of the Pulsar. I really like the case on the Pulsar, but I think almost everybody who knows these watches agrees the Cabot's better made. It's certainly more valuable. Um, it looks very similar. The case is a bit different. These are fixed lugs. You stick it on a pass-through, and you just wear the shit out of this. I did a 40-mile backpacking trip wearing my Pulsar. I never regretted having that watch on my wrist for that trip. I think this is going to be the same. A guy I work with... uh, Great high-tech or high-torque movements in these as well. A guy I work with was in the British military and to this day wears his on a pass-through. At work. Does he have a Cabot or a Pulsar? A, a CWC. I've seen it close up. I've never asked him about it because I know he doesn't know. He's like, I don't know. Like, I asked him one time. I was like, what is that? And he's like, oh, it's the watch I got issued while I was in the army. I'm like, fuck right off. That's awesome. What do you want for it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and you can get these for under 400 bucks. So I admittedly got one of the less expensive ones I could find available but it seems to be in really good shape. And, and that's sort of the range, right? You're looking at about 375 to 500 for these. Always available. There's a billion of them in, in circulation. Because they're still being issued today. That's and right. the dude is like, I don't want to wear this. I'm going to wear my Sunto. How much is this worth? Oh, I can sell it for 400 bucks? Right. Deal. Talk about beer. And then they offload their issued watch and then they go where they're soon tow. So I've now got a quartz kick around. Yeah, you do. I've got a true dress watch. You've got, you're rounding out a pretty good collection so far. And I've only just started three. This is the left field. I had to pull this one out. This is the GFY. Nope. Oh, okay. No, $945. I am going to get a watch that I'm not super familiar with. Well, I wasn't super familiar with at the beginning of the day. I'm going to get a Hamilton Khaki Field 3828 chronograph steel case with a Valjoux 7750 in 40 millimeters. For under a thousand bucks, Valjoux 7750 in a Hamilton case. This is the prior version. There's a new version of this available with, I think, a better bracelet. But the five link on this is very attractive. And it's a 7750, so it's probably like 15 millimeters. What is it? I do believe it's 15 millimeters, so it's chunky. But the profile on this is great. When was this made? This one is made. Unknown year of production. Yeah, we, we don't know. I believe they switched over from this to the newer version in like 2015 and it's unclear to me how many of these were in circulation prior to that um but it's an automatic chronograph it's relatively recent just with the font on the on the class well and the the box makes this look relatively recent too so yeah this is a classic looking chronograph you've got a 1269 layout, which is not for everybody, but I think is a really nice symmetry. Especially with your pushers on the on the right side of the case. Exactly. You've got a tack meter. It's a 7750, so you know you, you know what you're getting with this movement. 
uh, and it's super easy to replace if something happens. Well, and you're not gonna. That's right. So, so with this watch, all I'm getting, I was hoping to knock out a couple birds with this stone, but I'm not gonna. All I'm gonna get here is the chronograph. But a, a baller chronograph. A baller chronograph. And I got auto. Yeah. So I'm still well and under budget. And you're under a thousand. I'm still well under budget, and I've got an auto. I've got lots of room left. So, so just to review, I've got my quartz kick around. I've got my chronograph. Hopefully auto check. I've got my true dress watch. I'm missing a few things. I'm missing a serious dive watch. And a go fuck yourself watch. I'm missing something for travel. I'm missing a big go fuck yourself watch. So Ooh, I'm wondering how you're going to combine. What's going to get the. For $1,275, I'm going to get a Monta Atlas with a blue dial. Very, very easy watch. So interestingly enough, I have one of these. I own a Monta Triumph with a black dial. Andrew owns an Atlas with a blue dial. We've both chosen each other's watches. Uh, there's that just speaks to Monta. There's something to take away from <laughs> yeah. that. Um, I will send you a link to we this. We are straight fanboys. Although you know this watch very well. For $1,275, this one's in fantastic shape. For $1,275, geez Louise, still under warranty. This is the newest watch on my list. I, oh man, still under warranty. You're offloading for a five. $600 loss? Yes. Correct. Um shit, I might buy that. So now I've got now I've got my dual time travel watch. I still don't have a serious dive watch and I still don't have a big GFY watch. But you've got a fucking baller GMT. So let me tell you about what I love about this watch. It does <laughs> the same things as the Monte Triumph does. And it gives me dual time functionality. I know you know this because you own this watch. It is slightly thinner. I think a half a millimeter, slightly thicker. Mm -hmm. I think half a millimeter thicker than the Triumph. But these things still razor thin. Razor thin. I mean, this is, I was kind of stuck on, I knew I needed a steel sports watch. It's not in my rules. But but you need one. I need a steel sports watch. And and based on the things I needed, that meant either a used Triumph or a used Essence. Mm-hmm. And as I got to this part of, okay, what do I need? It's like, well, the Triumph doesn't check a box. Yeah, you're going to have trouble checking the GFY serious dive and dual time functionality. I'm not sure that it exists. So Atlas is it. Yeah. So Atlas is it. And this this is like, this was my first big kid watch, right? My first like really deliberate, expensive purchase. And I put it on. I'd never seen one in person. And I got it. Put it on. And I got it. And my world was changed forever. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's like... I don't know. If, if you don't like Monta, you've never seen one in person. Or you've decided you don't want to like Monta. Yeah. That's that's all I that's all I think. Which is fine. But if you don't like Monta, it's because you've decided you don't like Monta. So and not because of the watch. 
I am at at this point two thousand nine hundred and sixty dollars. You've got some space, which gives me a bunch of money for a serious dive watch. I have and a GFY watch and a GFY watch, but I got the perfect watch. I've got two thousand and forty dollars. Okay, for two thousand and thirty-seven dollars, I am going to buy a Seiko Marine Master. 300 yes you are available right now i will say this is an absurdly low price for this watch but i've just sent you a link but you found one it is available and now. it's on a reputable website because i was kind of concerned we were like can i do used that you were gonna find some like sketchy pseudo dark web like definitely stolen shit and you've not done that so this is a private seller but Via Chrono 24. Uh, and it's everything's here. This is exactly the watch you want. We've got original box, original papers, 2019 production. Um, if you want this watch. This guy's getting a divorce. That's the only <laughs> that's the only <laughs> option. If you want this watch and you're hearing this, you may want to buy now. Um, we are not selling this watch, just to be clear. We're, I'll link these just for the integrity of the episode, but... That's all. This has the Prospects markings. It is a new Seiko 300 black dial. 2020 production. With the gilt. Um, I now have my Sirius dive watch, monocoque case, full meal deal, 300 meters, and I've got my big GFY watch. This guy takes really good pictures. We should reach out to him, maybe replace Will. (laughs) (laughs) Um, God, what did he take these with? You know, I kind of... Tamagotchi? I kind of knew early on that I wanted this watch in this collection, but it was a little tricky to get there. Um, there was another version of this list with a 300T and a, and a uh, Nomos, a club campus. Yeah, you you told me you struck the... What did you... A 300T... A club campus. A G-Shock and a club campus. Yeah. So... I really wanted this watch because as much as I love the 300T, there's something about a Marine Master. Every time I see one, it, it's kind of the next level. You, you know, Steve Laughlin wears a Marine Master 300. And then if Steve Laughlin wears it, it's good. If enough it's good for enough Everett. for Steve Laughlin, it's good enough for Everett. Um, I love this watch. I really do love this watch. It feels to me like I don't know that I could wear one. It's a big watch, but you could wear it. It wears really it's, well. It's only 44 and a half or so. 44.3. It's just so big in every other dimension. It's heavy. It's thick. It's, I mean, it's baller. It's GFY for sure. Yeah. You, you know, Andrew, I was thinking based on our different approaches that my list was going to be easily cooler than yours. I do think the watches themselves are slightly cooler, but I am actually really surprised by how well you did. Like, I don't think there's a huge delta here. I don't think there is at all. I mean, if we if we look at our <coughs> at the at the caliber of watches we're dealing with, you know, you have a, a dress watch, which is is kind of the wrinkle. And I think if we if we cancel out the the pro trek and your dress watch 
and we just cut it down to a four watch collection each. Mine being the 300T, the Triumph, the the Retro, and the 5KX GMT, and yours being the G10. Yep, Cabot G10. The, the khaki, uh, the khaki Field Chrono, the Marine Master, and the Atlas. These are really comparable lists. And even buying used, you're not like, I think if you're buying new on these, you're only looking at like $1,500 more maybe. Yeah, you can't get, I mean, so you you, you can get a Cabot G10, I think new, but you're going to overpay for it. You can't get that Smith's new. Um, a Marine Master is insane right now. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, it's like this is like another. I'm probably at like eight thousand retail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Hamilton khaki, the new version of the Hamilton khaki with the seventy seventy seven fifty. Those are those are pricey. But you want the seventy seven fifty? Yeah, because they're not using that anymore. They're using their. Own. I think they. I they're think, using an in-house, aren't they? No, Etta bought Valju, so they just are. I, I think it's just an Etta seventy seven fifty is what they're using now oh, with their own. Yep, it's logo. just it's just an ETA. No, yeah, yeah. Really, you shouldn't buy a Cabot new. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, go get one of these issued. Yeah, buy it from Joe, who's looking for beer money. That's right. That's right. Um, but you know, I guess the other thing I note, Andrew, is we did a good job. I, I can th- these these lists feel like us. Yeah, yeah. We both still have a Monta. <laughs> We just have to trade. Yeah. I'll I'm give not you trading. my triumph. No, I'm not trading. <laughs> I also wanted to be deliberate not picking watches that I owned. Well, like I said, so the, it's interesting because when I made this list, I had a Pulsar G10. I had a Triumph. When, when I started kind of going through watches, um, I had a Victorinox 7750. Mm-hmm. Um you, you know, going through these things, I was like, you know, I've done, I've purchased the watches that I want to fill these places based on the budget I have. I, you know, we had talked about different numbers for this list, maybe 10,000. Um, this amount, 5,000 felt like the right amount for us. Yeah. Cause you had to work for it. You have to work for it. And it feels like these are realistic watches for us. I think our, the, our collections like these are watches that fit in our actual real life collections. Um, my my options would have changed drastically with a ten thousand dollar limit. But if you pull the high dollar watches off of all of my lists that I used as cornerstones, mm. those would have comprised my final list. Do you so say you have ten thousand? Can you make? a couple quick changes if i'm gonna go to 10 for mine i'm gonna hold the triumph and the 300t i'm gonna add the um the zin the new zin 356 uh aviator okay i'm gonna go to a um in lieu of the 001, I'm probably in the way of a GMT. I'm going to go toward 
maybe like Akoskoff mm-hmm. zone, or maybe one of the fairer, uh, the fairer GMTs kind of coming in that same zone, like between a thousand and 1400. Um, and then to replace the metric, no, we've already done that. Oh yeah, no. So there we are. If I'm, I've replaced the metric with the, um, the Zin and the SSK with, uh, one of those chronographs. So I'm, I'm like at the $10,000 range, I'm actually working harder to try to spend more money. Right. <laughs> That's right. Right. Yeah. Like I, I think ideally my, my five watch list comes down to probably like 8,000 8,500 just, sure. just natural point of landing. I think I'm probably, I'm probably keeping the CWC. I'm probably keeping the Marine Master. I might look at Omega, Mm -hmm. some like Bond era Omegas. I am getting rid of the Monta Atlas in favor of a GMT BR-05, which you can get those for under three. Yeah. Um, I'm probably getting rid of that khaki chronograph in lieu of something else. I don't know. Probably like the Zin, the the Zin Porsche Orfina looking watch. Oh, an Orfina would be a good fit there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you get the Orfinas in the like in a in a realm that would fit in the under ten thousand dollar range. I, I think so. Yeah. I think you can get those if if you work hard, you can get them for three to thirty five hundred, but that takes a little bit of work. You'd also get a Monaco in that zone yeah. like really easily. And a Monaco is not Norfina, nor is it an analog, but it's also a baller fucking chronograph. But I think those are my moves. I'm gonna go BR05 GMT for that spot, and I'm gonna go Orfina for that spot. Yeah. Because the BR05 could also could check your dual time and GFY watch. I think a BR05 is straight GFY. I'm keeping the I'm keeping the, the uh, Marine Master as the, the Marine Master. Yeah, you just have two of them. That's right. Yeah, that's what Go Fuck Yourself is all about. Andrew, here we are in an hour. I think we've done everything we came to do. Other things, what do you got? Oh my gosh! So you told me the other day. Uh, we were talking about the missing F-35, which was just like mind-boggling for two people who have spent some time in the military who are familiar with the um, <clears throat> the importance of uh, equipment accountability. Have they found it? Yeah, they did find it. Um, I, for example, I spent uh, one time about 24 hours at work, longer than expected, not by choice, on what's called a lockdown for because we were missing a GPS unit. And this GPS unit is not small. It's about the size of a VHS tape. Yeah, right. Call it a dagger. They're not good. Terrible, terrible pieces of equipment. They're they're bad pieces of equipment, but they're what's called a sensitive item which means they are both serialized and locked up at all times. And at the conclusion of a field exercise, all sensitive items are checked in, verified their existence and accountability, and then high fives all around, go home and shower, because you've been living outside for three weeks. Like, 
best case scenario, you had a buddy stand up on top of your truck and pour a water can on top of you to shower. <laughs> so how the fuck do you lose an F-35? Right. And that prompted a conversation around MiG-28s. I said, Andrew, do you know the MiG-28 never even existed? It's not a real plane. And that obviously prompted a, a like, reality-shattering Google search. So if you're not aware, the MiG-28 is the op for plane from Top Gun. Opposing force, that is Charlie. He is the bad guy. The MiG-28 is the bad guy. I don't think we're supposed to say Charlie anymore, but carry on. There were a lot worse things I could have said. <laughs> the MiG-28 is the bad guy from Top Gun. He That's is the bad guy plane. He's the bad guy plane. He flies inverted. But here's the thing. It never existed. And it never existed because, for well, for a lot of reasons. But in production, it would have been really hard to procure, uh, you know, in the 80s, a Russian-made MiG aircraft. So they used F-5s painted all black. Because black is scary. To look more opposing. <laughs> and this prompted like an enormous rabbit hole for me. I didn't stop when we stopped texting. <laughs> <coughs> so the F-5 was the... And there's also kind of like a little Easter egg in Top Gun where they kind of clear the air we're not using migs yeah we're yeah. using f5s for their training exercises they're not going to use real migs they're going to use f5s which is it's just like all it, it's it's thank you charlie even lower level That's her name by the way than in passing <laughs> it's it's like a line that you don't even remember until you've rewatched the movie looking for that line yeah now it's there uh migs so Another Easter egg here. MIGs post-war were odd numbered. So them even using MIG-28 was kind of like an Easter egg to like, this is a made up designation for this aircraft. Uh, but it got me digging into aircraft production for developed nations. So the um, Meconian uh, company... The MIG company. Otherwise known as MIG is a Russian defense manufacturer, contractor, and they make aircraft. Uh, they've been producing aircraft since the 30s. 1939, they started producing aircraft, which tracks because that's the time of the Second Great War and everyone's putting all of their ass into uh, military industrial complex stuff. Um, but it also got me thinking like we consider Russia to be a near peer adversary, which is to mean this is a military force that is uh, about there with us. Yeah. Well funded, well tech, like high technology. The, MIG runs on an operating income or of a, of a of a revenue of 1.39 or 1.37 billion and an operating income of 27 million which is a lot of money and then this F35 crashed and we're talking about way more than their like annual operating income yeah what well, the like 
122 million or something yes. for each one of we, these. We have a trillion dollars tied up in the F-35 and, and it's, it's continuation and Northrop Grumman and Boeing who are both longstanding aviation contracts and producers for military aircraft. And I just, I'm still trying to wrap my head around how we consider Russia to be a near peer when their prime aviation producer. I mean, in fairness, they can find their aircraft when they crash, but the, my other thing my true other thing is air tags is air tags. <laughs> and I'm going to pitch this to the United States military. I have a meeting set up with the Pentagon <laughs> greeters. Uh, but this all got started because this F-35 crashed and they have found it. I'm it kind of intrigued like this led me down another rabbit hole. If there's a bunch of F-35 series mishaps, we're about, six or seven nations have just inexplicably had them crash and then subsequently lost them for, you know, an ill-defined amount of time. Circling back, my real other thing is Top Gun, the OG, the F5 is the MiG-28 movie trivia other thing. This that that like that led me down a very deep rabbit hole. I'm I'm st- I have like that that rabbit hole led to like other like secondary and tertiary rabbit holes that I still have tabs open on my phone that I'm actively reading through because of the curiosity that uh, that drives me. Andrew's other thing for the week brought to you by Everett. Yeah, would you have thought about that as an interesting enough other thing? Because it blew my mind. I love it that I never caught it. And that when I did catch it, I caught it a bunch of other times and then subsequently have lost myself in fixed wing aviation because fixed wing aviation has just never been my jam. I've never really given a shit about it. It's not like like if it's not the A-10, I don't care just because the A-10 is the voice of God. And and on more than one occasion, I've heard it and really appreciated it. Fair enough. Andrew, I've got another thing. Do me. I alluded earlier to the fact that I've been working out. Mm hmm. I have, I've decided to start swimming. So uh, if you're a longtime listener to the show, you will or may remember that a few years ago I tore my meniscus, which was about a four-month ordeal, maybe five months total dealing with insurance companies and referrals and surgery, surgery, and it it's, it's not a fun thing. A meniscus tear can be everything from a relatively minor injury to like your life is sort of stopped. Mine was the latter type of meniscus tear. Uh, at the end of the day, the repair is pretty easy and very effective, uh, but ultimately is a little alarming in that they don't repair it. They just remove <laughs> the hurt part. The hurt parts. And so at the end of the day, you're left with less meniscus than you started with. And if you know anything about the anatomy of a knee, you will know that your meniscus is the padding. That is the impact protection. So one of the stories my doctor told me before I went into this procedure was Joe Namath won a Super Bowl 
after having both of his meniscus completely removed, double meniscectomy, no meniscus, won a Super Bowl. Joe Namath wasn't running. And I said, well, that's great. And he said, well, there's some bad news. About five years later, he had double knee replacements. So (laughs) long story short, long story short, you can operate without a meniscus. You just can't do so for very long. You shouldn't. I did not have a full meniscectomy. They removed just the damaged portions and left the rest of it. With that said, I've got less meniscus than I started with. So percentage-wise in the coverage area of your meniscus, because you had a bucket handle, was it? Were we talking like a 60-40? Are we talking like a 30-70? Are we talking, what are we, what are we dealing with here? Something like a 20% removal of the effective meniscus. So okay. Uh, I, I can still do things, but if you, if again, if you're a long time listener, you may know about six months before tearing my meniscus, I ran a 40 miler. I was a distance runner, a long, he distance ran it on runner. purpose. He didn't get lost. That's he right. Like ran 40 miles on purpose. So I've had to rethink that. Is that something that makes sense for me to do long term? I've been a little leery to get back into running. Um, I decided if you can't run, you swim. And so I have a long background in swimming. Oh, I was. Sit a very competitive swimmer as a young adult, like top 50 in the country at some point in my life. Uh, And so like, it makes a lot of sense for me to get back in the pool. So I've started swimming, but there's a thing, a really important thing that's changed between the last time I swam and now, which is is fully shaved, like top to bottom. No, I don't think that is like a seal. What has changed is that my eyes don't work. (laughs) And so while I normally wear corrective lenses, I cannot do so in the pool uh, because I've got to have goggles. I can't wear glasses and goggles. I tried it. It doesn't work. Uh, And wear your glasses over your goggles? I could try that. I didn't try that, but maybe that would work. But what I did find is that... In everything you do, so whether you're riding a bike or you're snowboarding or whatever, if you need corrective lenses, there are options for you. And they are, without exception, extraordinarily expensive. So to get a pair of inserts for snow goggles, for instance, you're looking at about $400, which is on which is about a 4X over like just do you not still have your sand that, that dust pres- mask from the army that like has the like clip inserts that prescription doesn't work anymore huh. so <laughs> you tried that okay yes have tried that so uh, it, it's just <clears throat> really expensive it, riding a bike same thing if you need to get inserts for bike glasses which i don't do that um it, you know it's just a lot of money so i thought well swimming is going to be the same thing Not so. I don't know why this is the case. Size. But with swimming goggles, you are able to buy pre-graded diopter goggles for swimming. Do they have bifocals? I don't know, but I didn't look at that. What I did find is that I was able to just go to Amazon, Andrew, and buy negative three diopter goggles for this is the best part 16 dollars one 
six dollars. That's what? Okay, look. That is <laughs> I find this fact out and I'm like, there is no fucking way. You're this gonna is be gonna wearing work. swim goggles 24 hours a day. So I have an astigmatism. So when when you get your prescription, you've got both a spherical correction and a cylindrical correction. The spherical correction is how I don't know. Squished your eyes. The astigmatism is corrected by the cylindrical correction. They do not correct. They do not make goggles that correct for cylindrical. But I, I'm reading about this and it said, just try to half your cylinder correction and add it to your spherical correction. So I did that. I, do, I did not have optimistic... Hopes. Well, at sixteen bucks, who gives a shit? That's right. I got paid. I paid more than sixteen bucks for a burger that I hated. So I go and order some three point five to correct for my cylinder and some three point five negative three point five diopter goggles. They come in. I put them on my face, and Andrew, I could. It is like a pair of fucking glasses that were made for me. It's nuts. You are going to be wearing <coughs> swim goggles for the rest of your life as glasses. I just may. Because for 16 bucks, I put them on and I could just see. I was like, what in the world? Why do they not have this for everything? And it's not just one brand. Speedo makes some. TYR makes some. Every brand you've ever heard of makes diopter goggles. There is not another industry where you can just on on. Amazon, Andrew, go buy corrective <coughs> lenses. It's like choose to your do size. Your yeah, like drop down menu. That's what, that's what it is. Literally, you click the size and you click negative three point five. This is exciting for me. I don't need correct corrective lenses. Buy it now. I bought them yesterday, Andrew. I have them in my house today. That is absurd. I haven't swam with them yet. They're going to be fine, though. It is absurd. So if you're thinking, if you need glasses, you're thinking about getting into swimming, that's my other thing for the week. Or if you're swimming and you're crashing into the wall or like. Well, so that's what happened to me. I, the very first day, because I can't see anything, I hit the wall. I like, with my hand, kind of messed up my finger a little bit. It's fine. It's It's fine. It's not your face. Uh, But yeah. Just one day shipping from Amazon. I have prescription goggles. Why do they have? <laughs> no clue. It's the most bizarre thing ever. Is it maybe because the lens of the goggle is already so small? Like you can't. That's all I can figure. It's hard to make snow, sand, dust goggles. Yeah, because they've got without an insert. So they have to custom cut that into. So it's like a secondary effect. I think it's two things. One, on goggles, the nose piece is always adjustable because it's got to be a really close fit. Mm -hmm. And so really, the way the goggle fits on your head, it centers the lens. And so I think that that's probably a big part of it because that's not true with anything else. With sunglasses, they sit on the bridge of your nose and the, the lens is where the lens is. And it's huge. 
with snow goggles same or with an insert same they've got to figure out where your eye is and put the correction there with goggles they know where your eye is because the because you put it there that's right it's actually you can't see with your corrective lens that's a you problem that's right they're actually like self-centering and so i think that's got to be part of it if i had to guess but it is the most mind-blowing discovery i've made this week which is why it's my other thing you're just going to be walking around like a dude just got out of a tanning bed. Just take the elastic strap off, rest them on the bridge of your nose. Yep. 16 bucks. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> 16 bucks. And I can see. I put them on my face and I was like, Fuck me. I can I, see. I need to get my prescription updated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's the craziest thing. The, it is a little different <clears throat> because they don't actually correct for the astigmatism. And so I can tell there's a little bit of like, a little weird there's some depth issue that'll but it's really it'll be residual it's, it's almost a nothing burger for a negative one cylinder correction it's almost nothing for 16 bucks who cares that's right that's crazy andrew you got anything else you want to talk about today i'm out of things hey you guys thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20 the watch clicker podcast why don't you do me a favor check us out at watchclicker.com that's where we post every single episode of this podcast, but also reviews, articles. we got stuff that goes up every week. Check it out, watchclicker.com. You can check us out on socials, at watchclicker, or at 40 and 20 underscore watchclicker. We post stuff there, updates, etc., etc. If you want to support us, the entire watchclicker project, you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. There's a number of things we have to spend money on every week, hosting, software, Things like that. The patrons are the ones that keep the show going. Thank you for anybody who's a patron. If not, go check us out. Patreon.com slash 40 and 20. And don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. <laughs>